I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. We are back. It has been a long month, but we're finally back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Thank you all for listening today, whether you're listening live or listening to the podcast later on. Really appreciate you all being tuned in. So much has happened over this last month. We've got so much to to discuss with Auburn football, with Auburn basketball. Grateful that Weagle allowed me to be on air today. Didn't want to drag it out any longer. It has been killing me not to be able to be on air to talk about everything that has happened over this past month. Plus, it's one of the busiest times of the year for college sports, for Auburn sports. And so to be off air during that time is tough. I hope that you're able to enjoy some of the articles that I wrote, some of the things I posted on social media. But there's nothing like being back on air, being able to talk about everything that's happening in the Auburn sports world live in real time. So I'm, so there's plenty I could discuss. I could talk about the atrocity that was the Maryland game. I could talk about every basketball game that happened during the break, but I'm not going to do that. Those things are too far in the past. I'm going to talk about the immediate. I'm going to talk about things in in, gener- in uh, more of a general sense of where the season goes. I'm going to talk about Hugh Freeze, year one thoughts, giving him a grade. I'm going to talk about the coaching changes, staff turnover, player, player portal entries. I'm going to talk about Auburn basketball and their throttling of Arkansas on Saturday and looking ahead to what's to come for the Tigers. And boy, we'll preview the Texas A&M game. So we've got plenty to get to, but let's start with Auburn football. That's the biggest topic. I asked a, a few different people about what would be the biggest things they wanted me to talk about, and I'm going to start with Auburn football. I think that's still the pressing thing that's happening right now. The portal is closed for now. The transfer portal is closed for now. You're locked in until after spring, but there are still guys in the portal who have not committed, who have not signed, so recruiting is still going on for, for, for portal players, but guys are not supposed to enter at this point, cannot enter at this point. But let's start from the beginning. Let's look back at the first year of Hugh Freeze, and let's just talk about the good, let's talk about the bad, and then I'll give just kind of an overall thought. So Hugh Freeze was hired over a year ago now, after what was an atrocity of the Brian Harson tenure at Auburn, he salvaged a recruiting class that was in the 60s, if I'm remembering correctly. He ended up landing a top 20 class, signed multiple difference makers when you think especially someone like Keldrick Falk, who came in and made the immediate difference his freshman year. Think of Kay and Lee, who started at the beginning of the season at defensive back. Those were a couple of big flips. Connor Liu is another one that was a big flip, ended up starting at center. Those are guys who are not in Auburn's class until Hugh Freeze and his staff took over and landed guys that are going to be difference makers, were difference makers this year, and will be for the years to come. For Auburn, he landed a top five portal class. He did everything he could to make Auburn as competitive as possible roster-wise in year one. He knew that the challenge would be great to get Auburn back to where they need to be, and it wasn't going to be a one-year fix. That was never going to be the case. I think even Hugh Freeze was surprised the degree of which the roster was behind. I, I think he knew it was behind. I think he realized 
it was behind to a greater extent than he originally thought. But he signed top five portal class, did everything he could to rebuild the offensive line, the defensive line, the wide receiver room. Auburn really didn't hit in the portal with the receivers, but he freeze did the best he could, ended up bringing in a transfer quarterback in Peyton Thorne after uh, spring practice, who ended up being the, the starting quarterback, obviously, for Auburn this season. I would say the biggest success was on the offensive line with the portal guys that Hugh Freeze brought in with Dylan Dylan Wade. You think about uh, Isaiah Miller was not a transfer. He was a Juco guy. Um, you think of Gunnar Britton, who was second-team All-SEC, was transfer portal. So I think that was where Auburn had their best success was on the offensive line. I know the offensive line was still not perfect, but it could have been a lot worse than it was had those things not happened. So what Hugh Freeze was able to do in such a short period of time to get the roster to where he was able to get it, you're talking about a three-win team uh, this past season. If Auburn didn't make some of the moves they made to get to a top 20 recruiting class and to land some of the guys they landed in the transfer portal, it w- it wasn't optional. It was a must for, for Auburn to deliver in the portal last year, and they did that. So that was a good start. But we get to the season open up the season with a with a big time scored over 50 points in the opener like okay Hugh Freeze is here Auburn's offense is going to be a, a force to be reckoning with going into the season if you remember the, the general thought was the defense probably going to be the biggest issue offense will probably be pretty solid well you go to Cal the next the next week and it was brutal a 9:30 p.m. local time kickoff ugly ugly game one game that Auburn really should have lost. They somehow did not. They won the game. But you knew from that point on, okay, offense might be a little bit more of a struggle than we originally thought. The defense, though, was the surprise. The defensive line ended up being really solid, led by Marcus Harris. And you were, you were off and running at that point. You had a the blowout loss to LSU. You had a close loss to Ole Miss. You beat Mississippi State. But then... You have a nice three-game winning streak there in the back half of the season after the the what four-game losing streak that you had leading up to that. Then you had the three-game winning streak. The four-game losing streak, you weren't projected to win any of those games. It was painful because you had the chance to beat Georgia. You had the chance to beat Ole Miss, and you weren't able to do it. Those That made those games more painful because you, you were competitive in those games, especially the Georgia game. You're leading in the fourth quarter and you weren't able to, to come out with the victory in there. But you had the three-game winning streak against really bad teams in Mississippi State and Arkansas especially. But those were some of the, some of the best football that Auburn played was during those games. But then you have just the mind-boggling loss to Mexico State. Not just a loss, but New Mexico State comes into Jordan-Hare Stadium and dominates. But then you respond, and I said it, that you wouldn't get the same team in the Iron Bowl, and you didn't. Auburn played, gave everything they had. Somehow Alabama pulls off a miracle play, and they Auburn blows the iron ball. So it was it was a finish a six and six season. Very easily could have had eight wins. Uh, should have had seven at least. And then you lose the bowl game in embarrassing fashion. So you had a lot of momentum going into the final two games of the year: New Mexico State and Alabama. A lot of it got sucked out after New Mexico State. Then you have the chance to, to win the Iron Bowl and you don't. So the back half of the, the year was disappointing to finish, to have three straight 
losing seasons as a program for Auburn. This isn't Hugh Freeze's fault for the first two, but to have three straight losing seasons is disappointing as an Auburn fan. So what what went wrong in year one? What went right in year one for Hugh Freeze? I think to start out with with what went wrong, I think offensively things went wrong. The coaching coaching offensively was subpar. The Philip Montgomery hire looked good on paper. It did not work. I'll talk more about that in the next segment, but that did not work. The defense, though, was better than expected. Again, with a, I thought Ron Roberts did an excellent job getting the most out of that defense as he could. That This was not a defense loaded with talent. Don't get me wrong. This defense had some talent, had some good players, but it was extremely thin on the defensive line. The linebacker room was not very impressive. You had Eugene Asante, who was on the practice squad, essentially, a scout team, if you will, uh, with Brian Harson, and then he becomes your starting linebacker, and he did a he did a fantastic job. So Ron Roberts, excuse me, Ron Roberts and this defense uh, coaching staff deserved a lot of credit, bro. I think a defense that overachieved and maybe an offense that underachieved a little bit. So I think that went well, but offensively is where things really struggled. And then and then you nearly beat Alabama. And Georgia, and that's always going to haunt Hugh Freeze, I think, when he thinks back to his first year on the Plains. The momentum that can come from pulling off upsets like that is huge. There's there's no way around it. It buys you more time as a coach from from fan bases, if if you're able to remember. I, like, I've stood by if Brian Harson has somehow pulled off the upset against Alabama his first year at Auburn. He's not he's not fired in, uh, last year. That, that wouldn't have... Would have never happened. So in a way, I'm grateful that <laughs> Auburn did not win that Iron Bowl. But it, it is a huge deal. As you could have pulled off the upset. Auburn was not able to win a game this year that was an upset. Ole Miss, Bama, and Georgia, LSU. They weren't able to pull off that 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 big time victory that you thought you were going to get. Now it doesn't mean anything really in long term, but it looks good for your fan base to be able to have that big time victory. You just didn't have it. But then, as I mentioned, the LSU game, New Mexico State, Maryland, just inexcusable losses, games where Auburn just looked outcoached, ill-prepared, and that's inexcusable. That that cannot happen moving forward. And no matter the, you see that even with the the talent level as it as is, Auburn was still able to compete with some of the best teams in the country. So that is no excuse for not being able to compete with teams like New Mexico State and LSU, even in Maryland. Made a bowl game, though, and that was a positive. You wanted to get the six wins. You wanted to get that bowl game in year one. I look at things very simple. I, I thought going into the season, you made it to six games, that would six wins, that would be successful because that was improvement over last year. You look at things now, at the end of the season, you think of what could have been done. It's hard to judge it the same, but don't recalibrate your expectations. If your expectations were probably a floor of about five wins and a ceiling of eight wins, then six wins you have to deem as, well, somewhat of a success. I know it, it is hard to say that now, but if you had asked Auburn fans before the Maryland game, I think the, the view on the year would have been differently, and we know that bowl games are what they are in this era of college football. Again, not excusing the result on the field in the bowl game, but it is hard to to take much, in my opinion, from from bowls. And I would have said the same thing had Auburn beat Maryland like Maryland beat Auburn. It, it's just the way things are now with the opt-outs, with team, it, our team's focus, our coaches' focused. As Hugh Freeze mentioned, 
after the game being more focused on recruiting, which is what I segue into, Auburn landed a top 10 class. That was the most important thing for Hugh Freeze in year one. I think he believed that. I believe that as a fan. I think a lot of fans believe that. If you understood where this talent roster was, then I thought recruiting was the most important thing. So it paid off. It paid off. Auburn landed a top 10 class, but maybe some of that recruiting cost you a little bit on the field. Maybe it cost some ill preparation against New Mexico State. I don't think maybe it did. Maybe it did against LSU. Uh, maybe it did in some other games as well, but those are just a few. I know it did in the Maryland game. But would you rather take a losing couple games that maybe you shouldn't have lost or losing in fashions that you shouldn't have lost in in year one in order to get the talent to be able to be successful and to win more games down the road? I would. And I think that's the that's the balance that Hugh Freeze uh, has to find moving forward is how not to let that happen in year two and still recruit at a high level. But he, t- he took some lumps there on the field in year one in order to spend more time recruiting, and it, and it paid off. So if I'm going to give an overall grade for Hugh Freeze and, and in his first year at Auburn, I give it a B-. minus. I debated. I know I've seen some out there gave, have given him a C. I went B-. minus. I thought the recruiting was an A+. Plus. A top 10 class was all that you could ask for in, in year one. Great, great job putting Auburn back on the map, signing some real difference makers. And we'll talk about those guys, not on today's show, but in the weeks to come, we'll talk about the Cam Coleman and, and Perry Thompson and Demarcus Riddick and, and all those guys that, that Hugh Freeze brought in that are going to make a difference. So I give A-plus for recruiting, but for coaching, I give a C because of losses like New Mexico State, because of them, even the Maryland game, because of not being able to to pull off a big upset like at Alabama or, or Georgia or even Ole Miss. That's why I give coaching a C because the offense at times looked completely inept, and that is your specialty. Even if you're not putting a lot of time and effort into it, you're an offensive head coach, you're going to be graded harsher on there. So overall, I give a B- minus to, to Hugh Freeze. I still believe the program is headed in the right direction. Nothing has changed in there. Nothing from the bowl game was going to change my mind on that. I like where this program is headed. With that, we'll go to the first break. When we return, now we're going to talk about leave last year behind. Let's talk about things moving forward. Let's talk about what needs to improve. We will talk a little bit about what went wrong here with Philip Montgomery as offensive coordinator But after that, we're going to talk about the future, players coming in, players going out. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We've got plenty more, as well as roster changes. It's just the the day and age we live in college football. Hugh Freeze, again, had an emphasis on recruiting, so he didn't really want to make any coaching changes before signing day that could possibly affect recruits coming in, which you could argue, well, that's not fair to the players. Well, the players can leave at any moment. So, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have any strong feelings about players and hurting the players at this point in this day and age. When they can leave and, and on a whim, then, then I, don't, I don't care as much about that being unfair to the players. But coaching changes are happening. The biggest news so far is Philip Montgomery is out as offensive coordinator. The writing was on the wall here. I think every Auburn fan saw this coming for a while now. Wasn't sure if he would just straight up be fired, if there would be a him try, him finding a job elsewhere. But it didn't work. 
And I mentioned in the first segment, it looked good on paper. I liked the hire last year. What I didn't like, and I said this when Hugh Freeze was hired, and I didn't like Hugh Freeze ever giving up calling plays. And I know it's a little bit of some post-traumatic stress due to the way things went with Gus Malzahn and him going back and forth with calling plays. But that was really the reason. A guy who has built his whole career on being an offensive guru, giving up calling plays, it, 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 it makes him uncomfortable. They're not going to be happy, in my opinion, with anyone else being in control of the offense except themselves. And that was the exact case with Hugh Freeze. And then as soon as things started going poorly, he really felt like he had to jump in, which he was right to do so. He's the head coach. If the ship is sinking, you've got to try to fix fix the leak. And and that's what he did in a few games, but then he then he went back to, to you know staying out of it because he wanted to focus more on recruiting. So it was a little bit of a, some indecisiveness from Hugh Freeze this year, and I'll talk more about that here in a second as well. But Hugh Freeze has got to figure out how can I call the offense and how can I recruit I do believe he'll go back to calling plays, so I think he'll hire someone he's comfortable with, that he's more familiar with as offensive coordinator, that can help him with game plan, that can also be a good recruiter, but will allow Freeze to really have control, get back to calling plays. And I don't think it was intended. I know some people were frustrated by Hugh Freeze's comments after the bowl game, saying he wasn't happy with the game plan, he wasn't involved with the game plan. And then after the the games where Auburn was successful offensively, you think of the Arkansas game where, where Hugh Freeze said, yeah, I was I was more involved in the game plan this week. I don't think it was a coincidence. I really do think that it's just how, how it happened to be. Now, who Auburn played mattered some in those games too, but, but Hugh Freeze being more involved in the offense typically meant the offense played better. When he was not, it seemed like the offense struggled more. And and I don't think that was a coincidence. I don't think Hugh Freeze meant to... to degrade his staff or degrade Philip Montgomery. He's just an honest coach, and he was being honest in his assessment. Should he have said it? No. But I don't think he intentionally meant to to degrade Philip Montgomery after the bowl game. I think at that point, Freeze knew he was moving on from him. But still, I, I thought it was a little bit of unfair criticism towards you, Freeze, uh, in that moment. But as far as the question goes, will he Freeze return to calling plays? My personal opinion, I believe he will, and I believe he should. The next question is, will other coaches be on the move? I, I think it's highly likely. I, I don't know anything in, that anyone else do, uh, know anything that anyone else doesn't, but my guess would be yes. It, again, every year there's staff turnover, no matter if you're uh, Michigan, there will be staff turnover. Washington, there will be staff turnover. It's just how it goes. It, and then if there's some unsuccessful results on the field, that just means there will be more. So will it be on the defensive side where there will be more on the offensive side? I'm not sure, but I do think it will come. Auburn's already made one hire on the defensive side of the staff. That is Charles Kelly. Wesley McGriff was an on-field role, moved to an off-the-field role this season, and then he left to go to Texas A&M. So Charles Kelly was hired seemingly to replace Wesley McGriff as an on-field coach. But what I think is telling is that Charles Kelly's hire has not been officially announced by the university. So you just think on that for a minute, think, well, why hasn't it been officially announced? If everything else is staying the same, wouldn't you think you would announce Charles Kelly as a co-DC and secondary coach? You would if everything was staying the same. But since that hire has not been announced yet, 
Just just pure speculation on my end. Want to make that clear. But I think there could be some other changes on the de- on the defensive side of the ball. Why else would you have not announced this hire by now? Again, pure speculation, but I, I do think that there will be some more changes on the defensive side of the ball. Does that mean that Ron Roberts is gone? Does that mean someone else is gone? I don't know. But I do think it's interesting that Charles Kelly has not been officially announced. Now, on his hire, I think it is an excellent hire. Charles Kelly was someone who was in the running last year for the defensive coordinator job. He didn't get it. When he didn't get it, he ended up going to Colorado as a defensive coordinator out there. He's an Auburn guy, played under Pat Dye at Auburn back in the 80s. He's been the defense coordinator at Florida State. He has been under Nick Saban at Alabama. He's seen as one of the best recruiters of the state of Alabama. Uh, a great coach as well. Again, his experience is in the secondary in, with defensive backs. So, of course, you've got Zach Etheridge up there but you uh, coaching defensive backs, but you could also have Charles Kelly and Zach Etheridge kind of splitting duties how Wesley McGriff and Etheridge were at the beginning of this year before McGriff moved to an off-the-field role. So really, really like this hire. If something happens with Ron Roberts, could Charles Kelly possibly become a defense coordinator? I, I would think so, considering he has a history of being one, and I don't think that would be a bad move for Auburn. Would they possibly do a co-DC with someone else on staff? That's totally possible, too. It's also entirely possible there's no more changes, and Ron Roberts is still your defense coordinator, and Charles Kelly just comes in to take Wesley McGriff's role. Again, that's entirely possible, too. But pure speculation on my end, I think that's unlikely. I think that because this hire has not been announced yet, that there could be some more changes. As for roster moves, there's only been one portal entry so far for Auburn, leaving Auburn, that in my opinion is a stinger. And that was Keontae Scott. That was shocking and that was sad news for me. I was asleep when it happened late the other night to wake up to. Keontae Scott has been a leader and a great player for Auburn these last couple of years. It seemed like because of Wesley McGriff moving on to Texas A&M, maybe some instability there made Keontae want to examine his options. And that's a key loss. It One, for experience as a player, but also because of the leadership he brought. He was a big part of establishing Hugh Freeze's culture this year. More than likely, he was going to be a captain this upcoming season. That That's why it stings. It stings more to me because you don't ever want to lose someone who is a great leader. Even like, even like a Luke Deal. Doesn't bring a ton to the table. No offense to Luke Deal as a player, but what he brings to leadership and establishing culture is a huge deal. Keontae brings more to the to the field than Luke Deal does, but he also brings a lot to the locker room. That's why it was a shocking and a big loss. I think he's going to return. This is just a gut feeling on my end. He's leaving that door open. I think he will return. Maybe we'll find out something soon on that. If you're Hugh Freeze, man, I don't know if they knew this was coming, if they knew this was a possibility. I imagine they did. You've got to do everything you can to get Keontae Scott back on the plane. See, he is a big, big piece. You do not need to lose him. It is a stinger if you do. So right now, he's in the transfer portal. Hopefully, hopefully Auburn can get him back in the fold. That would be that would be key. As far as portal recruiting overall, if you're on Auburn message boards, if you're reading, there is a total freak out on the message boards. Fans losing their minds over Auburn's portal recruiting. And I'll be honest, it's been disappointing. It hasn't been good. Hugh Freeze admitted that. 
he admitted that portal recruiting, that he didn't think he was very good at it. And you think, well, last year, though, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Auburn had a top five portal recruiting class. What do you mean? How are you all of a sudden not good at it? It's a difference a year makes. Last year, it was a necessity. Auburn was desperate. So they were, well, honestly, probably throwing around money a little bit more than they are this year. Taking guys a little bit a little bit more without evaluating them a little bit. Transfer portal recruiting is different from high school. It is more of a bidding war, in my opinion, than high school is. And also, transfer portal is a lot more. Guys aren't looking. You can't build a relationship in transfer portal as much as you can in high school because guys are looking to make snap decisions. So they're looking at, where's my best fit? I want to take one visit, and boom, I'm in. And if you don't lock those guys down on their first visit, you probably are not going to get them. And Auburn has not done a good job of that this time around, locking guys down. So, so far, they only have three guys coming in the portal, two wide receivers and a defensive lineman. Gage Keys from Kansas, Sam Jackson, a former quarterback that started against Auburn at California, has a connection to Peyton Thorne, but he's going to play receiver at Auburn, and then Robert Lewis, a transfer from Georgia State. Those are the only three guys right now Auburn has gotten in the portal. Portal recruiting has to improve. Auburn spent so much time, spent so much energy, so much effort on the high school class, as they should have. I absolutely agree with the philosophy that you should go all in on high school and you should supplement with the portal. That is what the top programs in the country have done. That's what Alabama, that's what Georgia, that's what Michigan, that's what Ohio State, that's what those schools do, and I believe that's the path that Auburn should do as well. And I know you may throw Ole Miss out there to me. That's a different circumstance. Ole Miss can't recruit high school at the level that Auburn can. If you can't recruit high school at a high level, then yes, you should absolutely go all in on the portal. Ole Miss and Auburn are not in the same realm as, as programs as much as Ole Miss fans might might try to, to make you believe. I still believe the best path is to go all in on high school, and that's what Auburn did. Now what they've got to adjust and what Hugh Freeze and the staff have to adjust is we've got to re- reevaluate how we handle the portal, though. We did a good job with high school, but obviously our if we're trying to recruit portal the same way we recruit high school, it's not going to work. So the way we recruit portal has to change if I'm Hugh Freeze moving forward. The last, so the portal is closed as far as guys entering. The last day for players to enroll at Auburn is January 17th. So let's see next week kind of where things stand uh, as far as the portal goes. And, and, and we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if things are in a better spot uh, come next week. But right now, things are not great. Auburn has major needs still have major needs at offensive line. They have major needs on defensive line. Those are the two highest priorities for me and I believe for this coaching staff and filling holes. And right now, Auburn has not done a great job. But I'm going to wait a little bit longer to give a final judge, give this, give this staff a little bit longer to see how things shake out before I make a final decision. But right now, as things stands currently, portal recruiting has been subpar. You could even call it bad, honestly. But we'll see. Again, I, I still have full faith that Hugh Freeze and the staff are good recruiters. I just think they need to reevaluate how they're recruiting the portal. We need to get to our second break. We've still got more to talk about Auburn football before we shift to Auburn basketball. I still need to talk about 
a portal quarterback. Will Auburn take one as as well as what are the biggest things that Hugh Freeze and Auburn need to improve on in year two? So stay tuned. We've got plenty more to come here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You buzzed, busted, and broke because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Will Auburn take a transfer portal quarterback? It seemed that that question got raised again after a really poor bowl performance from Peyton Thorne, but it, it was not just him. It, it was a poor performance all around, but he did not play well in that game. No one, no one's going to say that he did. But it raised that question again, and Hugh Freeze had kind of shot it down leading up to the bowl game, had really locked in that Hugh Freeze was the guy they were building around him in the future. But then after the bowl game, Hugh Freeze seemed to insinuate that maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe maybe Auburn was going to take a transfer quarterback, transfer portal quarterback. And to be honest with you, I have no clue because I look at the transfer portal and the QBs available now that are in the portal. I'm not sure there's one in there that Auburn, one, is going to be interested in, and two, that that would for sure be Peyton Thorne out. And I'm not sure at this moment Auburn's interested in taking a quarterback that they don't think would definitely beat Peyton Thorne out. I only thought there were a few guys in the portal that I thought would definitely beat Peyton Thorne out. I talked about uh, Riley Leonard from Duke. He went to Notre Dame. Cam Ward ended up going to the NFL. Those were two guys I thought, okay, those guys would, would come in. They would start. But Auburn wasn't able to land either of them. If they had interest, if they pursued them, they weren't able to land either either one of those guys. Caden Salter from Liberty entered. Everyone assumed, oh, he's going to Auburn. I don't know. Maybe Auburn had interest in him. Maybe they didn't. But he returned to Liberty for whatever reason that, that may have been. So that didn't happen. So quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know where Auburn goes here. I don't know if they're going to bring in a portal quarterback in this next week. Right now, I lean towards no. I think they might just see how the spring plays out at this point and see how Peyton Thorne improves this offseason with the young receivers coming in that we'll talk about later on and Cam Coleman and, and Perry Thompson, kind of kind of see how things play out and then kind of reevaluate. Do you think you need to go get a, a, a quarterback? Again, you're probably going to have a few freeze back taking over the offense. So we'll see. Because we're so late now, in the portal cycle, I think it's unlikely that a portal QB comes in at this moment. But we'll see. We'll see how things play out in the next week. Could there be a surprise? Absolutely. But right now, I'm thinking no on a portal quarterback. And let me just say this about Peyton Thorne. I know he catches a lot of flack, and, and some of it deserving, some of it not so much. Auburn could do better than Peyton Thorne. I'm not going to deny that. Auburn could also do a lot worse. There, there, there's truth to that. There are things that Peyton Thorne did well. I thought he ran... RPOs very well. I thought he was late on decisions at times, late on some reads, didn't see things perfectly. So yes, Auburn could do better, but they could also do worse. He was far from the only problem offensively this season. I've thought all along receivers were the biggest issue this year uh, as far as the offense went. Yes, the offensive line was really bad in pass protection, and that hurt Peyton Thorne, but I thought the, the receivers really just could not get open. I, I thought they were the biggest issue. Luckily, Auburn had the, has the best wide receiver class in the country coming in, and we'll talk about that more moving forward. But I just wanted to, to make that note on Peyton Thorne before I move on. So what needs to improve in year two for Auburn? I think, first of all, 
Auburn fans still need to have realistic expectations. I do not think expecting Auburn to make the 12-team playoff next year is realistic. Expecting improvement, that's realistic. Expecting the offense to play better, that's realistic. Expecting maybe uh, uh, getting up to eight wins, okay. I, I think that is fair to, to expect in year two. The team should improve. You want to see improvement. The talent level is going to be better in some areas. I still have concerns about others where it may fall off unless, again, we talked about portal recruiting. That's going to be important to supplement some of those areas. But I think the biggest thing that everyone would agree on is the offense has to improve. There is no excuse for an offensive head coach to have an offense as bad as it was this year, even with the lack of talent. The offense, offensive room has to improve. So what's going to happen there? I think the wide receiver room will be better. You improve their quarterback play. If Peyton Thorne returns, he should be better than he was his past season. And if it's someone new, then you're assuming they should be better than Peyton Thorne was there. So that position should improve. Offensive line, you're returning some key pieces. You're possibly also losing some key pieces there. So how does that improve? How do you replace some of the guys that you're losing, like Gunnar Britton, like Cam Stutz, who are starters at guard for you? That'll be key as far as the offense goes. Defensively, you're losing really a really good and a really veteran secondary. you got to replace the whole secondary, but your linebackers are returning. You're losing your best defensive linemen. How do you replace those guys? Defense is what you've got to, what will be the most challenging to keep them at the same level they were at this past season. That'll be, honestly, I think a bigger challenge than improving the offense. But overall, Auburn needs to improve. They need to have a statement victory. Whether that means beating Georgia or Alabama on the road, that's going to be tough. But you get Oklahoma at home, that will be a statement victory in year one, beating a what will probably be a top 15 preseason team, if I had to guess, Oklahoma, maybe a top 10 team. Getting getting some big wins next season will be crucial. Prove a concept is going to be crucial. It didn't matter this year in recruiting. It was year one. Hugh Freeze was able to sign a top 10 class by selling what he did at Ole Miss. That's what he was able. That's what he was selling. He was not selling what Auburn was doing on the field this year. He was selling what one that Auburn has major needs. You can come in and you can contribute, make a difference immediately. Two, come in and get Auburn back to where they should be, competing for championships. And three, look what I did at Ole Miss. Those were the big things that Hugh Freeze was selling. But in year two, proof of concept starts to matter matter more. So players want to see that the program's improving, that it's heading in the, in the right direction. Just take Florida, for example. Had a really good recruiting class in year one under Billy Napier, had the number three class in the country going into this season, and then it just collapsed. It was still a good recruiting class, but it was not an elite recruiting class, and I really do believe it's because proof of concept wasn't there. Florida had a really bad year in year two under Billy Napier. I'm not saying if Auburn doesn't have 10 wins next season, the recruiting is going to be terrible. No, I'm just saying you need to start showing some things, especially offensively, that'll that'll tell recruits, okay, I can I can see that this thing is headed in the right direction. I think eight wins would do that for you next season. So recruiting is still very important. That needs to stay the same next year. That still needs to be a high priority, but Hugh Freeze has to figure out how to balance if he takes over back over the offense, how to balance coaching, the offense having the team prepared each and every week and also recruiting. I thought the the comparisons to Kirby Smart and Nick Saban were asinine. It's not the same. 
Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have already built championship caliber, pro, uh, championship, not caliber, championship programs. They don't have to spend the time on recruiting that Hugh Freeze was having to spend to get the program, get the Auburn program where it needs to be. Yes, they spend time recruiting and coaching. So did Hugh Freeze. They don't have to spend the time that Hugh Freeze had to in year one. So maybe either Hugh Freeze has to figure out how to balance his time better, one, if he doesn't want to spend less time recruiting, or he has to figure out how to pass off some of those recruiting duties to others and still keep the, the same level of recruiting while also improving the play on the field. That's going to be the biggest thing that he has to figure out going into year two. Still recruit at a high level, but also coach at a high level each and every week. Provide consistency. And then indecision. That has to stop. The indecision, again, mainly on, on whether to be involved in the offense or not to be involved in the offense. That bothered me. And maybe maybe every coach goes through this, and maybe I just didn't know it because Hugh Freeze was is an extremely honest head coach, and I think maybe that has worked against him in, in some ways that he was so honest about the play calling and honest about being involved in the game plan. Maybe, maybe it's the same way for other coaches, and they just don't say it. But because he was honest with us and because he did tell us about his, his indecisiveness regarding being involved or not being involved, you got to decide one way or the other. It's no, it, it hurts the team when they don't know who's going to be involved and who's not going to be involved from week in and week out. It messes with the psyche of the team when, okay, this week Hugh Freeze is involved. Okay, so I know that I've got to be locked in. This is a big game. Oh, he's not involved. Oh, he must not really think that that's, this game's too much to be worried about. It affects it. As much as you want to say it doesn't, as much as the players want to say it doesn't, there's no doubt that when they saw Hugh Freeze in that offensive meeting, they're like, okay, well, this is for real this week. And when they didn't, New Mexico State week, okay, maybe not so much. You can say all you want to, you treat every game the same. It's just not true. You don't. So Hugh Freeze has to be consistent with his team, and he cannot, this, he cannot keep going back and forth. And then also, even in recruiting, the indecision on whether to take a portal quarterback or not, that's not something you necessarily improve in year two. This is like an immediate fix. You have to be more decisive on making these decisions. I don't know. Maybe Hugh Freeze was decisive on, on this, and maybe I'm just reading the situation incorrectly, but I don't think I am. It does seem like there's been some indecision there. That has to change. Be confident. If you're wrong, you're wrong. There's one, it's one thing to evolve. You should evolve as a head coach. You should change as a head coach from year to year. It's the constant going back and forth from one week to another that has to change. Make a decision. Going into year two, this is how we're going to do things and stick with it. Change all you want to, but do not constantly be be changing week in and week out. Need to make a change at the end of the season? Fine. If you need to make a change here and there within the season, fine. But cannot have the constant back and forth, especially regarding offensive play calling and game plan that you saw this year. So those are... That really is the biggest thing I think needs to improve in year two. We'll have all spring to talk about personnel and players and concerns and, and whatnot, but those are the general things that I'm focused on that need to improve for Hugh Freeze moving forward. Well, I didn't plan to take three-fourths of the show on Auburn football because <laughs> there's a lot I wanted to talk about with Auburn basketball. But I did, and that's okay. We're still going to get in as much Auburn basketball as we can in this final segment. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We'll be right back. 
Auburn basketball gave Arkansas their largest home loss in history on Saturday afternoon in Fayetteville. That was one of the most impressive, I think, wins of the Bruce Pearl era. To go to a place like Bud Walton Arena and to win by over 30 points, Arkansas may may not be the Arkansas team or program that we're used to, but that is still extremely impressive. To win by 32 at home against an SEC opponent, no matter who they are, is impressive. To do it on the road, it's hard not to be extremely high on this basketball team. The important thing to remember is there's going to be some lows. There's there's going to be some ugly games. The SEC is deep. It is strong this year. really do think there are a lot, a lot of teams who can compete to win the SEC, who will make it to the NCAA tournament. So it is going to be a long, it's going to be a grueling year. There's going to be some, some disappointing losses for sure, but it's hard not to be high on this team, seeing them play week in and week out, and really excited to watch conference play and to watch, I think, 17 more games before you get to the SEC tournament to see how this team grows, to see how they handle adversity when those losses do happen. They're going to be a fun team to watch. I've been high on this team since before the year started. I thought there was going to be a lot of potential for this team to be really good, and I think you're starting to see that. I still have question marks. I'm going to dive into that here in a minute, but I think overall this team has a chance to be really special. So let's talk about that performance on Saturday against Arkansas. Chad Baker-Mazzari was the star of the first half. Auburn was a little bit sloppy there early on in the game, but Chad Baker had, I think, 12 or 14 points in the first half. If you think back to this this you know offseason, the biggest concern was the three position. Allen Flanagan was out the door. And who was Auburn going to bring in at three three position? It took a while, but they bring in this, this guy who from JUCO, who had been at San Diego State, who had been at Duquesne, uh, this little 6'7", you know, guy no one had really heard of. Turns out he can play basketball. Turns out he is a, a really good player and really, on any given night, can be the best player on Auburn's team. And it is it was a fantastic find, a fantastic get by this Auburn staff because he is... Chad Baker-Mazar has a, a beautiful jump shot. He can shoot the three. He can get to the basket. And he, he has been really, really impressive. He had a great game against Arkansas on Saturday. And then Janai Broom had a big second half. Auburn ran away with it. Everyone ended up being a big part uh, of that game for scoring went and just really made Arkansas quit in that game. They really did. And that is shocking to say about an Eric Musselman coach team. But that's it exactly what this Auburn basketball team did. So those, those are the, the exciting things. So let's talk about like some concerns, though, move, moving forward for this season because I, I want to bring everyone back down to earth because I know everyone's ready to, to put Auburn in the Final Four, and we're far, far away from that. I'm still a little bit concerned about the guards. I think Aiden and Trey are doing a fantastic job at point guard with their assist-to-turnover ratio is phenomenal. Trey had 11 points on Saturday coming off the bench. He is playing, really, he's playing better than Aiden at the moment. But they are they are playing really well. My concern is the scoring. And again, your point guard, that's not your first priority. Your first priority is to run the offense. That's important. But Aiden is really struggling shooting right now. That is a bit of, concern, of a concern. If he can start to elevate his shooting again, that takes his team to another level. He's a good shooter. He's in a big-time slump right now. I'm confident that he will get out of it. 
I really like Aiden Holloway a lot. He'll get back going. He'll start knocking down some shots. He needs to get his confidence back. Maybe getting back inside Neville Arena uh, Tuesday night will help him kind of get that confidence back. We'll see. But when teams are able to take away Auburn's front court, when they're able to take away Jalen Williams, when they're able to take away Janai Broom, it's going to be important for Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson to be able to score along with the two position in Denver Jones and KD Johnson. KD has been better this year. You always say it was, you know, 50-50 what you were going to get with KD, good or bad. It felt like last year you got a lot of bad. So far this year, it seems like you've gotten majority good from KD. I didn't think his game was great on Saturday against Arkansas, but overall, he has played well. He shot the ball well, and he, he has played good defense, of course. Denver Jones, it seems he has struggled a little bit to kind of figure out his role. I do like that Bruce Pearl and Auburn and his staff have tried to get him more shots. They've tried to work with him, getting him good looks here in the last few games to get him going. Again, him finding his role, I think, has been tough because he was the guy at, at Florida International. He averaged almost 20 points per game. He had to score. That's not the case with this Auburn team. This team is deep. They don't have one guy who is a go-to player. So I think for Denver Jones, just kind of figuring out when to take his shot, when to look for his shot, but also when to just play through the offense. And that's what's so crazy about this Auburn team. And, and Bruce Pearl has said it, and it's true. They, Auburn does not drop off when they go to their bench. And it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's, it's a bad thing in the sense that, you know, your starters aren't so elite that, you know, your bench isn't a drop-off. But on the other end, it means your bench is really, really good. And then the other negative that people will point to is, okay, well, when it comes down to the you know, final moments, who's getting that last shot for Auburn? That's a, that's a good question. I don't know if Auburn has figured out who that guy is yet. I'm not sure they will. I think they might, they'll, they'll run a set, and whoever's open who's, is open. Your best shooter is still Aiden Holloway, so you're probably still looking for a way to get him a good shot at the end of the game. But maybe Denver Jones, you're still, Janai Broom's your best player still, but he's not one you're looking to take the, the final shot of a game. So those are my biggest concern are, are still the guards, but again, it's minimal. It is minimal concern, and I tell you what can alleviate a lot of pressure. That's Chad Baker Mazzara playing like he did at the, at the wing position. If he plays like that, if he can score like that, he takes a ton of pressure off of Aiden Holloway, Trey Donaldson, Denver Jones, and Katie Johnson. If he can provide scoring, that that really really balances everything out because the front court gets taken away. Well, you've got a wing who can score and who can score consistently. That is a huge, huge deal for Auburn. So what about this A&M game? A&M surprisingly got beat at home by LSU. This is an A&M team that was top 25 team in the country coming in this year. High expectations with their backcourt and Henry Coleman returning SEC Player of the Year and Wade Taylor. But they've struggled so far. They've had some, some losses to some really good teams, but been a little bit of a disappointing season for them. But I imagine they're going to be ready to play in the jungle. They are better than their 9-5 and record might lead you to believe. They're just not shooting the basketball well. So that's going to be the key for Auburn. Keep Wade Taylor, their star player, from getting to the basket. Force Texas A&M to take threes. Force them to take shots. Keep them out of the paint. Contain Henry Colwin. The matchup between him and Janai Broom will be really fun to watch uh, tomorrow night. I'm very interested to see how Auburn's guards defend Wade Taylor. 
again, force him to take tough shots. He took 12 threes against LSU on Saturday. He does that great. Just keep him from getting to the basket. I wish I had more time to break down the game. I wish I had more time to talk about Auburn basketball, but I've got to wrap up the show. I appreciate you all being tuned in to to the show today. It has been great to get back on air. As you could tell, I couldn't even get to everything I wanted to talk about because there was so much to discuss. I've still got plenty more to talk about Auburn football in the future as well as talking Auburn basketball from here on out as their season continues. So thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Today we'll be back next week for another edition. Enjoy the week. Enjoy following Auburn basketball this week. They'll be in action tomorrow night. Thank you for listening live. Thank you for listening on podcasts. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.